episode 52. I got so confused. It's been so such a busy time, so much going on. I think I called it 51 at the start. It's all a blur. We're putting out the episodes. We're loving it, doing our best. Super fun to sit down and talk to Gabby LaGuerta, um, a girl who has turned into a young woman in front of my eyes over a long time, definitely feeling old. And I know, Corbs, you have a great connection with them and their family um, and lots of things to take away in terms of just being able to work hard and continue to fight through injury and, and just believe in yourself. How was it to listen to Gabby chat and obviously knowing her whole story, but just being able to get her on the show is kind of fun, right? Absolutely. During my time in STM and, you know, those practices, and we would always go over to Denz's house after practice or before practice. And when I first met Gabby, I didn't even know her name. So I would just hear Denz and his family, his mom and dad, just call just call her Jian. And I had no idea who Gabrielle was. So a lot of us on the team got to know her when she was quite young. And it was just like, you know, kind of watching her grow up as well. And, uh, and then, you know, our grad class graduates and a lot of us are going to different places and splitting up and we're entering uni for the first time and you kind of forget about the world that you left you know especially at such a small school like SDM so yeah like I was kind of aware of her story and I was just surprised about how little I actually knew and just to hear her talk about her struggles and going through those adversities of you know a torn ACL and meniscus and, and you know, broken bones that's just that has ended a lot of careers and it was pretty cool and it was pretty brave of her to go out and just talk about what that entire experience was like. I think it also just is a reflection of that family, just the LaGuardia family. You know, shout out Tita Dennis. I know you're listening to this right now. Nine months to listen to Dennis' episode. Shout out. But it was just pretty cool for her to just be frank and honest about it. Mm-hmm. And just the connections, you know, talking about Kev Hansen and Jess, who like I babysat when she was a newborn. So kind of a fun episode and with each one something new pops up and and the hoops journeys continue so we know you'll enjoy this one and really glad that we're trying to work and get more females on the show because it is important so keep your ears and eyes peeled we got more for you episode 52 corbin's such a loser man (laughs) i don't know what he's talking about all right i won't say yeah g knows g knows (laughs) anyways three two one, let's go. And away we go, episode 52 on a hoops journey. By popular demand, we see you out there, ladies. We know we need to get more lady representation on the show, and today we have a triple OG, someone who I've known for a long time making me feel old as we talk about her basketball career and kind of good timing because it's one chapter coming to a close for her. Someone who's had to battle her whole life being the best basketball player in her family. Um, Shots fired. We have none. Thank you. Thank you. We have none other than Miss Gabby LaGuerta. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm good. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, we'll try to act like you are then, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I knew this would come. I should have said no to this. What, just me kind of roasting and cracking on you or just you being nervous or everything? Uh, Probably the first, but... <laughs> All right, well, 
I mean, you're the second LaGuardia to, to come on the show, but you have no pressure because, you know, it was just dense. Yeah, you said it. Best player in the family. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> How are you? How's everything? We talked just offline here. It's a big day tomorrow. You know, you're one of the athletes out there in Canada and North America this year who had a COVID season and, you know, it's your senior year. So just talk something about, let let the people know how that feels and, and what the reflection is. And we'll get into it throughout the show. But as you sit here and hear that, you know, how, how are you feeling and what comes to your mind right off the bat? Well, in the beginning of this year, it was actually incredibly difficult for me trying to grapple with maybe I'll have a season. And so training in the off season once COVID hit and then into September, um, not knowing till October, November, whether or not we'll have a season. So still trying to practice optimistically with all these restrictions. A lot of the restrictions actually didn't even let us play defense. So it was a lot of ball handling, shooting. I think there was like maybe a window of a couple weeks where we were able to play one-on-one in partners where we had that one partner that we'd play one-on-one with for the whole week. Um, and then it'll switch just to not get too much shuffling and, um, physical, uh, physicality going around. Um, not but... like you've really worked on your defense before, so it's no big deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> two already. Two. Thank yeah. You. Start the count. Corbs is on point. He's on point. I knew this was going to I'll start um... writing that down. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and then we found out our season was canceled. Um, and that was, uh, super hard because this was supposed to be, you know, your fifth year, your kind of final go around. And now you're kind of just, uh, what do I do now? Um, but there wasn't really a moment of grief for us. It was just kind of, all right, well back to practice. And we kind of knew that as fifth years, there's like, uh, four of us, we were kind of like, well, fifth years are really important to a team and we have to lead by example that like this adversity that we could all get through. So it was kind of no question that we'd stick around, but it just wasn't easy. All of a sudden, like, I'm working on ball handling and I'm working on shooting. We're not competing, which is, like, arguably the best part of basketball. Um, So now it's like, okay, what am I trying to get better for? So that was really hard for a while. And then then it kind of got into January, February, where I was like, oh, my gosh, my time here is almost at a close. And now I'm just trying to to, uh, soak it all in and... Um, make the most of the rest of my time. So it was kind of like a roller coaster of emotions throughout the whole year. Did at least once you got to be around the girls and the team and everybody, did the team environment at least sort of energize you a bit and bring you back? Like the fun of just the silly stuff that happens in in the locker room before practice and the, you know, the funny little moments, did that at least energize you and kind of bring your your spirit back to it a bit? Mm -hmm, A hundred percent. Like, um, that's probably, that was probably the best part of this whole thing was, we were all restricted to our bubble with um, with protocols, but this was, like, a time where uh, I got a structured social time with, like, 16 of, like, some of my best friends. So that was pretty cool to have that every day for mm-hmm. the last six months when others weren't as lucky. Have you just been commuting every day? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's on actually funny. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Um, try to save some money. So I would drive to an Evo, use my brother's car, 2003 Honda Accord, drive to an Evo because that's shout out. not in Burnaby. Oh, yep. shout out. I know. Yeah. How, is Evo, how is Evo not in Burnaby? I don't know yet, but... But it's so close, so I got to drive there. Um, yeah. Drive all the way to UBC, 45 minutes. Um, seventeen ninety one charged every day <laughs> <laughs> on the credit card there and back. That's actually funny because today tomorrow's my last practice and my brother's car just broke down today, so... <laughs> so that's pretty good timing, but also, yeah. What's the plan? Walk. 
I'll pick you up after I drop off Eli. Daycare's just down the road. I'll drive you. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, guys. That's on record. Ask follow up and see if he did that tomorrow. Sometimes practice though. Um, morning. So it might be good timing before SDM. Drop him at eight. Oh, can I can I see Eli? It's been a minute. Oh, so now you're making demands. It was a question. It was a you could say no. Talk about it later. Let's get right into it. Talk to us about basketball. How did that come into your life? You know, you mentioned how old it makes me feel, but you know, watched you grow and become <laughs> the woman that you are today, the person and the basketball player, right? Both. So, how did basketball and just sports start to come into your life? What was little Gab's like and, uh, how annoying was she as a little sister? <laughs> so my brother played basketball super young, like as soon as we got here. I think my oldest brother, Nick, saw a flyer for South Barbie Metro Club, um, Go Eagles, um, and signed him up there when he was in grade five. And I was running around like my parents went to all his games and then brought me along. I was completely content with just like watching and being like, oh, that's his thing. Um, until one day he was working out with my dad at the outdoor courts at OLM and he finished that and then he was like, hey, do you want to learn to shoot? And I was like, yeah, sure. So he showed me the form and I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world, just putting ball through the hoop and I like wanted to learn everything. But in elementary school, like I would join whatever sports club there was. Like I was in running club, which was just cross country. You go to school at eight and run for run around for an hour and see how many laps you could get. Um, and I was so I was on the track team for all of elementary school from grade three to seven volleyball team grade four to seven um but it was almost like no question that basketball was my main sport and my favorite so it was never a matter of like choosing to specialize or whatever it was just I loved basketball the best and I just wanted to play it as much as I could it's something about to be said for siblings right and when you have one who's I mean regardless of what they choose to do when you're the younger one um you know same thing as my brother he loved sports so it was kind of like I was just tagged along and he'd be playing baseball but then I'd be like on the patch of grass throwing the ball around or doing something too right and you sort of mm -hmm. pick on up pick up all that stuff and then you know you come to STM as a grade eight and then you're you know you get a pretty good team right off the bat right and remind me how many years apart are you and Denz because that's all a blur to me I was in grade eight when he was in grade 12 right mm -hmm. okay so you roll in you're like little sis right all the you know all these guys Corbs Drew, like everybody on the team, you've probably grown up watching at least the guys that played at Burnaby Eagles, right? Yeah. Um, and, and what was that experience like right away? And then meeting like just a, you know, I always think about your group of athletes on the female side that you were able to be with. I mean, you had some studs. So right away, you're exposed to lots of really cool things, hey? Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, even um, Duns was really nice. Like I was never really... I might have been, but he never made me feel like the annoying little sister. Um, I'd I'd be around, like, um, trying to play with all his friends, all the ones that would come over, and he would just kind of let me. <laughs> and just going into basketball, my first team was with, you know, my teammates that I had now with, like, Nico, Nadine, uh, Zion. Um, so that was who I started off basketball with and kind of grew up with, and that was who I got to continue to play in get better with going into high school as well and throughout high school. Yeah, and I mean, when you think about, like, Nico played post-secondary, like, Zion is <laughs> one of the fastest women. 
<laughs> to the Philippines slash Canada yeah. and was just unreal, right? And Nadine was a crazy athlete. And you guys finished second, didn't you, in grade eight? Or did you win it? Uh, so they played grade eight. They yeah. won. Um, and that was oh, a year that up. I, yeah, I played up. Miss Frano let me Flex. get on the JV team. <laughs> um, I tried to slip that in there. But um, so they won and I didn't win. So that sucks. But yeah, but I mean, you at least there was something to really look forward to. It's got to be pretty cool. It's an honor to get pulled up because I think like, mm-hmm. at least from our coaching perspective in our program is if we're going to pull an athlete up. It's only because they're going to contribute. They're like a starter or a sixth, you know, a sixth person. They're not, there's no point in pulling someone up that's going to ride the bench. So obviously they saw something in you right away. And to see that your grade eight crew goes and wins the provincials, it's like, okay, well now we've got, we've got four pretty good years coming up. Right. And that, and that's cool. So how was that jump from grade eight to nine? I mean, grade eights, it's tough, right? A lot of high schools are nine to 12, but at STM it's grade eight and, like you say, your brother's in grade 12. So five years, there's a big gap between the youngest and the oldest kids in the school and trying to fit in and figure all that out, let alone you're out of your peer group and you're getting pushed into another peer group. Was there awkward moments or was it just something where sport kind of just bonded you and because you were like, you know, fairly good at it, you know, you got accepted early. It's just interesting to think about because we only think about pulling kids up in grade 10, right? Not from grade eight to nine kind of thing. So that's, it's a young age. And how did that go? Sport is pretty good about that. And I mean, like I, you guys know, I've been around STM forever. Like even when I wasn't, I was always at camps um, that you were coaching Mitch. Um, So I've been around and I've met like a bunch of the girls and just being around my brother's games. Like, um, so it was already easy because they, I had met a bunch of them and they were all super welcoming. But in terms of like, I had always, my brother had always challenged me to play up on any team. Like even when I started as an 11 year old, he wanted me to sign up as a U13 um, because he wanted me to just be in a position to get better and challenge myself constantly. So it was, it wasn't uncomfortable for me to play above my age and try and fit in, in a different, in a, yeah, in a different group. But it was, Mm -hmm. uh, it was really exciting when we could all finally play together and it just kind of came out how you expected it to because even though we lost it, we were a team full of, you know, grade nines and a JV with the grade tens or whatever. But we had, like, like you said, Nadine went, ended up playing D1 lacrosse, Zion D1 track, but could also have played D1 basketball and Nico and For all those sure. other girls that played post-secondary. So we had a really, really talented team um, that did really well again mm-hmm. um, after they had just come off of winning grade eight. And I remember, right, the old gym and after Den's left, right, it, you could tell that there was just a hunger inside of you. You're always shooting and getting after it and just wanting to improve. And what was it? I mean, you've credited him too many times already. So what was it inside of you? Was it just this just this drive that you wanted to be like the women and men that you had seen at STM? Or was it because you saw your brother and the work he was putting in? Because you put a hell of a lot of time in um, during your time at, at, at St. Thomas More. Exactly that, a factor of all of those things. I I watched my brother grow up and work out with my dad out, outdoors, um, outside, and just a couple hours. The garbage just... can rims, man. Exactly. And those Most haven't changed. Most unforgiving rims in the league. Yeah, oh, they're still there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you make it, and it's like just as worse as missing it. Because <laughs> you got to go chase it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. bad on the knees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, so when I fell in love with basketball, I was like, my brother would show me like, oh, look at this, a female player. Like there's a, there's a league like the NBA, but for women. 
um, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to be just like that. And then he's like, okay, well, if you want to do that, you can. These are just the things you have to do. And it's like, you have to work hard. You have to challenge yourself. You have to um, always have that kind of dream in the back of your mind and then um, doing anything you can to towards it. So it was just, mm-hmm. yeah, it was super easy for him to be like, hey, do you want to shoot today? And me just be like, yeah. Because you remember uh, before in elementary school, he'd be like, I'm going to shoot at SCM. Do you want to come? And I'd be like, yeah. So then we'd shoot. We'd go in there at 6 a.m. And then he'd have to go to school. And then I'd I'd walk to 12th Ave and then wait till the bell yeah. rang. Because <laughs> your yeah, school, yeah. yeah. So it was pretty sweet. And that's the unique thing about SDM too, right? And then also like at a young age too, you know, you read your bio and resume. It's like some of the names that you name drop that you're exposed to, like Norm Roberts, right? Allison and Mike McNeil. And talk about... Yeah, so just talk about, you know, those names in themselves are pretty phenomenal. What's it like to have that sort of coaching at an early age and how much did that impact you? At first, like, uh, Norm was my first ever organized coach and he kind of coached me all throughout up until high school and then even after. So that was pretty cool because he, because now I was surrounded by Alicia Roberts who fairly quickly became one of my role models and someone I really looked up to, so... He, he lives around my area and he would, he was gracious enough to um, book Edmonds Community Center before it was nice and new with all the dead spots and be like, I'm working out with Alicia, would you like to come? And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. please. Um, so just somebody with his experience and then providing me with somebody else that I could work out with and have a mentor that I could look up to, that was, that was huge. Um, and we just built a relationship where for a while he was like my second dad. Um, so it was pretty sweet to have him throughout my basketball career and help me navigate, just navigate it all and be there to work out with. Lexi gave him a big shout out too, right? And I think Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of girls in the Burnaby area, like he had a big influence on and just kind of that, you know, all it takes is like, Hey, do you want to come and work out? And then you're like, Oh my God, I get to work out with his daughter. Like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, yeah. And then you do see, is it CP is at that point? Is it called CP or? Uh, yeah, so I did RTC yeah. when I was young. Oh, um, RTC, right. Yeah, uh, because CP was for older girls. And I was, my first ever session was with um, Mike McNeil, and I had no idea who he was until my brother told me. But he was like, oh, that w- that's uh, Austin McNeil, senior women's national coach, like husband, like he's the assistant coach. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. So I just like soaked it all in. I don't know, was really excited to go to these sessions. And I think he took a liking to me. Because I was one... You'd like to think so? I'd like to think so, yeah, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a review of the other day, too, because you know how they give you those basketball VC, like... Uh, yeah, yeah, like the report card or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was just, like, ask good questions, um, <laughs> things like that, but... Uh, oh, it also said up. that... Suck up. <laughs> um, it also said... Oh, yeah, well, it also said uh, ath- very athletic, so that couldn't have been me. Must have been... Must have mixed up my... <laughs> The report. Come on now, come yeah, on. Exactly. But no, it was sweet to be, uh, to just like have him know me and then be able to just kind of try to take it all in. Um, that was really good. And then the next year, I did CP with Allison, which is the coolest thing ever. So now I'm in grade nine, getting beat up by all these grade twelves that are going D one, um, but still just an unreal experience being coached by those. Those two. Do you remember any of the girls? Yeah, like Emma Wolfram, Kobe Ora, Maya Linick. Yeah, some pretty good. They were... Damn, that's who you're playing against? <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You Getting had to picks. learn a floaty, hey? Yeah, exactly. Really exactly. Your... Yeah. 
Like, I'm not getting the cup on these women. Yeah, there's no way. No, and I remember trying to bring up the ball and like just getting picked each time. And I was like, sweet. But it was all learning, so. It was like, sweet. Do, uh, do girls in our province talk about how lucky they are to have the McNeils? Or is it just kind of like... Yeah, the ones that I know. Um, and the yeah. ones that I know are really close with them, like Jess and Dominique. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. We're so lucky. They mm-hmm. are the absolute best. For sure. And then you translate that into some provincial team experience. And, you know, there's some good times, some some sad times, and, and some adversity, which I think is like a really cool and interesting part of your story. So, you know, talk about that provincial team experience and, and playing against kind of the best women in Canada at your age each summer and and all those things that happen in between the provincial team was probably like my favorite part of basketball just meeting all these girls that are super talented and then getting to travel around in the summer and just competing with such great competition in the states um and then hopefully mm-hmm. while representing your province and having bc across your chest and then going to nationals and um trying to prove that we're a really great team so that was sweet in I played U14, which didn't have a nationals, and then the next year I played U15, but a year up again um, with Danny Sinclair. I got to play with Jess Hansen. Shout out Jess. Hey. <laughs> um, and we came bronze. So, And then the next year, uh, I was pretty excited because I could finally play my age and mm-hmm. feel like that that experience from the year before gave me a bit of, of an advantage. Um, I had a pretty good summer, uh, and then... I was able to play one game at Nationals versus Manitoba. And then the next game, my very first possession, I go up to do a layup and then just get hit and land funny. And then I find out later that I fractured my tibia and tore my ACL. So uh, that put me out. That was really upsetting too because uh, one of my biggest goals like since starting basketball was playing for Canada. And I thought that was a year that I could make the cadet team or at least go to the tryouts. So that was like part of the heartbreak. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being someone who never, never, I never really had like a major injury. You know, if you play enough basketball or any sport, you got tweaks and bumps and bruises and bad ankles and whatever. So how at a young kind of ripe age does one come over that adversity? Like what inside of you and who are the people around you that kind of made you believe and think like, it's okay, I'll be all right. I'll bounce back. I mean, obviously you're probably, you're going through a couple months of just like, I'm just feeling sorry for myself. Everybody leave me alone. And then how does one kind of bounce back and figure all that out? Well, I feel like I can attest it to being an immigrant, being the child of an immigrant. Um, my parents have always Absolutely. have always just kind of been like, okay, this is the situation that was presented to me or this is at the, the task at hand. Like, what now? Or like, how do I make something out of it? So it was mm-hmm. just kind of, um, it wasn't really, there actually wasn't very much uh, feeling bad for myself. It was just kind of, right into, all right, what do I have to do? Because this was all new to me too. I didn't know what a torn ACL meant. I'm trying to navigate through all that. But yeah, so I don't know. It was just never really in the question for me to kind of feel sorry for myself. Okay, so you touched on being an immigrant family. Was it spoken about or was it just that the example in your household, which that was unspoken, was so apparent that you just sort of soaked it in you know, without even talking about it. Is that what it was? Right? Yeah, I, it would have to be unspoken because my parents are never one to complain about <laughs> anything. So yeah, um, yeah. it's not like I would have I would have heard them say things like that. But it was just, yeah, kind of by osmosis. <laughs> I had yeah. the same attitude. That's the word I was looking for. But you're, you know, 
<laughs> You're reading books every day, so or maybe not sitting in front of a computer every day, but yeah. And for and for those that do know your parents and have had the opportunity, you know, along the years that you've played basketball for so long now, most dedicated fans, most supportive fans. I used to die when I would get film, and your mom <laughs> happened to be within Mike's Mike's range of. The film and had to mute it when we would watch film because it's dancehall, right? It's just <laughs> so awesome. But always like never, never a question of the coach, never came to us, never said, hey, what about this? It's just, you know, you keep working and you listen to your coach and good things will come. And so talk about the rehab and bouncing back and, and getting that mind frame back in terms of just being a killer again. Well, yeah. So it was pretty hard because... I did that first year of rehab and I don't think I took it seriously enough. Like I said, I had no clue what an ACL entailed. I went to physio twice a week, um, mm-hmm. but didn't do, but probably didn't do more than that or kind of saw this as an opportunity maybe for a break and which was probably the wrong mentality kind of would say to myself, like, maybe this is just a sign that you've been going too hard for too long kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So my first practice back, actually, I think I emailed one of the clubs excel or 3d or something being like hey like i really want to practice prior to the season like can i jump in like nine months on the dot and then kind of go up for a layup and just no contact just fall down again and then re-tear with my mcl and meniscus so that was super tough second injury second year of rehabbing and then that's kind of when i had the mentality of okay like this is another this is another year of basketball like that's going to slip away from me. Like now I have to really get into it and be right where I was um, or even stronger, hopefully, than I was before to uh, make up for lost time. So this is your grade of 10 and 11 year, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not trying to pump your tires. I mean, you're already on hoops journey, so we know you're big time. But like for an athlete to miss two years of huge development years and then still come into grade 12 with the mentality, were you thinking, I'm going to see how it goes? Or were you thinking in the back of your mind, like, I still want to play post-secondary basketball, even after all of this? Yeah, definitely. I was, that was never um, out of the question. Like, I even got an email from, speaking of like being uh, surrounded by such great, great coaches and supportive ones. um, I got an Mm -hmm. email from Allison McNeil, just kind of like saying sorry and like, that this has happened to me again and all this stuff. And then she's like, honestly, like, we wouldn't blame you if, like, you decided, like, this is, was the end of the road uh, for, mm-hmm. for you in basketball. And I read that, too, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like – and that was, like, the first I'd ever thought of uh, that quitting was was even on the table. Like, I, it was never yeah. – yeah, it was never, it was never uh, in question. Like, I knew that I wanted to – I had all these goals, and maybe that they were going to um, – I was going to have to modify them a bit, but – Mm-hmm. post-secondary was the goal for sure um and it was always just okay what do I have to do to get there uh kind of again just what what is a task at hand and how much did you lean on um you know your brothers and your family to to, to help you and kind of just keep pushing you uh during that as well because I like I mean we had Lexi on the show she she kind of tore it twice but at separate times right Mm -hmm. it wasn't sort of a back-to-back thing and other than your own sort of mental approach who were the people around you that kind of kept you going my parents for sure um all my teammates just being surrounded surrounded with them um I liked being able to still be around and support 
them and they were just kind of like uh like while they were practicing I was doing rehab on the side so it was still a really good environment to be in Mm -hmm. Um, and they were super supportive and constantly saying that they were excited to have me back my parents were huge obviously driving me to all the physios even when I was at six in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays it was hard because Denzel was away and he was someone that I really leaned to for basketball he was at college but anytime I kind of had like a mental uh mental lapse and was like not close to giving up, but felt that this was super hard. He was someone I could always call. And same with mm-hmm. uh, Nick, my older brother. Mm-hmm. So families, family is always really important throughout rehab. And then obviously you took that second round of rehab a little more, you know, seriously and stuff. And when the time comes to step on the floor again, like in a game, with the jersey on talk about your emotions did are you have you thought about it do you, do you know how you felt then or was it have you has it was it like a total blur I remember being really nervous because I was constantly on a battle of okay here we go like uh, this is your senior season this is your only season like you have to really show out and just okay like be easier on yourself because um you're just coming back from injury and then just being really nervous so that was kind of a funny battle that I uh, had to go through for my first tournament even because I remember I think my first game I played pretty decently like not not awful and then my next right and then my next game just absolutely terrible like <laughs> crying on the car ride home because I probably scored like four points or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that was funny having to grapple uh with all that all season also because yeah. um, there's a the training but there's still rust totally and at the same time you're not walking onto a team where your average right you're playing against some of the best teams in the province night in and night out you have a competitive league and you have a team that's ranked in the province and has goals and aspirations right and so you man how do you manage that you know i need to take my own time to work myself into this but also i don't want to miss out on all this stuff that's happening right so it's i mean for a young person that 16 17 years old it's a lot to it's a lot to process right Talk about that senior season. How was it? The ups and downs. I know you guys didn't reach the ultimate goal that you wanted to in the end, but I mean, fourth place in the province is no slouch. And how was it to just kind of be around some teammates and actually feel, because like you say, you know, you're on the sideline rehabbing, you're around them and and you're doing your part. But when you actually get to throw the jersey on and and have an impact, it it does mean that much more as much as we don't want to say it. It really does, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, as much as you hate to say it, you do feel a bit more connected when you're playing with them and you're on the court and you get to endure all these uh, battles in the game and practices uh, with them. So that was a pretty interesting season trying to battle kind of, yeah, team goals like you mentioned, but also being stressed out because this is my only this is my only season. I really want to get recruited. I really want to have tape. Um, so kind of having that those individual goals in mind without trying to be individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty hard to balance as well. When and did any interest start to come in and or did you just feel pressure all year that I don't know who's going to be watching this game or this might be the game or the tape that does it or because being honest with yourself, you know that there's a two year gap and you know, people are like, well, she was good in grade nine, but what are we going to see now? And, and, and so it's almost like a kind of a waiting game, right? And we know that mm-hmm. the recruiting process in Canada can be a little bit weird. You have to sell yourself a little bit more than maybe you need to, and that's no one's fault. It's just the way it is. So how, how was that? Yeah, that's a thing too. I don't think we really 
um, had coaches come to our games unless we were in the big tournament, like that Howard Samora Invitational. Um, so it was really all about getting tape. And then I wasn't able to put something together until Christmas break. So I put tape and got game tape, uh, highlight mix or whatever. And then I had emails sent out to all the best business schools with grid basketball programs. And I emailed them across the country and was just hoping that I'd get a reply back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my recruiting process. I also had coaches that I didn't know um, that were interested initially, or that I wasn't in initially interested in their schools. Um, they were at the Howard Tomorrow tournament, so I got recruited some there, but it really wasn't able to start until probably January, um, and that was a couple months full of weekly phone calls um, of an hour with a different coach every night. It was pretty exhausting trying to fit it all in and trying to commit as soon as possible so I could focus on the rest of our basketball season. And then, so how did UBC come about? They were one of, again, they have like probably the best business school in the country. So that was an email I sent. Flex. And they weren't recruiting <laughs> and they weren't recruiting me very hard. They had said that they had seen me in grade nine and that I had fallen off. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know that that's the term I would have used. but <laughs> I maybe got injured for a couple of years. <laughs> But yeah, so they weren't recruiting me too heavily, and I and I realized later that that just isn't really their style. But I was getting um, recruited a bit harder by other schools and other programs, and I took all my visits, and I tried to schedule them really quickly because, again, I, I was in a bit of a rush to get recruiting over with. And then there was another school that I thought I really wanted to go to, but then I took my visit to UBC probably a couple weekends after and was just like... I have some really good friends in here already, like in Jess Hansen, um, and I love Vancouver. I was my recruiting trip actually was at when they hosted nationals, so that was oh yeah, yeah it was sweet, pretty unrealistic, but it sold me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was it was um, I think on the car ride home I was like I called Carrie back and I was like I really want to come here and she's like sweet. <laughs> You didn't even hold your poker hand for like a day, hey? You just no, I had <laughs> wow. Because I, I honestly, no, I had, a, I yeah. had a, we had a break at school from, from like Wednesday, Thursday or some, or Thursday, Friday, and then so I took my visit there, and it was an overnighter, mm-hmm. and then I had another one planned, for that next day, mm-hmm. but visiting UBC made me not want to go, so I had to do it pretty quick and cancel right. uh, my flights and. <laughs> call the coaches and say sorry for yeah yeah the agenda you made up but i mean fair enough it happens it's, it's part of the game it's part of the recruiting thing it's you know you're not the only one that's done that so <laughs> and i'm sure they would appreciate that as opposed to you flying out and having a fun weekend on them and then being like by the way i'm going to ubc you know yeah yeah exactly so i know there's or lots just, of people uh, out there that probably have done that <clears throat> just, listeners uh, yeah, check yourself or just uh not called them when they had plans to go to dinner yeah who who would ever do that i know it's especially up, to man. a nice guy especially when you got red robin waiting for you, you know? <laughs> maybe if it, maybe if it was a nicer restaurant i would have showed up hey eh? <laughs> red robin never thought about that eh, Kev? maybe it should have been the keg we know how much you <laughs> like steak buddy man maybe if you offered me a a nice uh i don't know new york strip loin or something it would wouldn't have been easier but yeah <laughs> and then how did it go? I mean, you know, I, I remember not being able to make the uh, your guys semifinal, but watching it online and kind of hoping it went better. But talk about how 
STM basketball wraps up for you and just a special group uh, of, you know, girls that we had through our school for five years. They were, you got, you know, you were a fun group and phenomenal, not only on the court, but in the classroom, in the hallways, just the energy, just a bunch of goofs too, right? Like so fun. And, and it must've been a whole bunch of emotions when the final buzzer kind of ended for you on your, on your senior year. Yeah, that was pretty upsetting. Cause I think our semifinal game was super close one probably closer than our uh, bronze medal game bronze medal games like yeah I don't know. we didn't have it it's the hard it's the <laughs> worst game to play in like played in it coached in it i just yeah. you know from a coaching standpoint it's like let's get everybody in and like do we even really want to win but you tell the guys like yeah let's get it and they're like i'm exhausted and we just lost to go to the yeah. final you know it's it's and a setting up one. for the final game um, right. don't care. Nobody cares about your game. There's nobody in the stands. They're just getting the gym ready right. for the main event. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was sweet. It was pretty upsetting because like I told you, I played with those girls like my very first ever basketball team. And then um, and then all of a sudden it's coming to an end, like probably like six or seven or eight years of being teammates. Like I wish we ended it on a note that was uh, kind of more reflective of what we meant to each other and and just like how how honestly like how good we were but it didn't but yeah so that was super hard yeah i mean but like you're playing in the semifinal, right you go yeah. two and two so you think oh we only went two and two and it's like well someone on the loser side went three and one but they were on the loser side you know like you yeah. won your first game you won your quarter you're playing in the top four someone's got to lose someone's got to win it's just the way it goes right so i know yeah. it's hard to kind of sit there and think like it didn't kind of end the way we wanted but you finished fourth. You're telling me that the eighth team and the ninth and tenth and twelfth team would have just been like, yeah, we'll switch places with you quickly. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, you're right. Right? That was a that was a that was a thing too about provincials was that I played like awful. Like I probably averaged like seven or eight points per game, and that's also partly why I chose UBC was because um, during recruiting I was like I was talking to a bunch of coaches, being like, is this a is this a place where I could play right off the bat? And I thought it was justified because. I'd missed two years, and that's kind of what was going on mentally. Um, I was mm-hmm. like, I just want to play right away. Is this a program where I could do that? Um, and then I averaged eight points per game on a team where I'm supposed to be, like, one of the better players at Provincials. So then when I take my visit to UBC, I knew, like, looking at the coaches, this is a place where I could develop the best, and that's kind of what went into my decision as well. After a brief hiatus, Good Lad Clothing has returned, but under a new location. 3283 Main Street is where they can be found. Name drop a hoops journey to get 10% off any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Your first year, you you actually put the total uh, number of minutes that you played, right? And yeah. but I think there's this, 
you know, for the, we're hoping that there's still some young people, you're obviously young, but younger than you, that still listen to the show and kind of are curious about post-secondary and what that looks like. And I'd love to go to a program where I'm going to play, but I mean, if you're a freshman, you're playing, you're either one of the best players in Canada or your team ain't that good. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you're a really good basketball player on a, on a good team, or you're playing a lot of minutes on a team that needs you as a freshman. Not so sure. Right. So what was it? 28 total minutes in your first year? Yeah. I'll never forget that actually. Did you put that on the wall or something or? No, I just ingrained in there. (laughs) Stepping on War Memorial, first training camp, the legend and Deb, like just so many factors. How was it all? Uh, My very first game actually was during training camp and we had a couple D1 teams taking tours. So we played. Right. I think we, we played Wisconsin something that and then I didn't play like I probably played my the last minute of the game Mm -hmm. and then I went home because I was staying with Jess during training camp and then I kind of just Kev was there and I was pretty lucky so I tried to uh, grab some advice from him and he was honestly like you're you're playing as a grade eight on a grade uh, 12 team or against a bunch of Mm -hmm. grade 12s and that's how you should look at it you should look at these as opportunities to get better and things like that. And that's kind of what changed my mentality going into the year as well. I already knew that this was going to be like kind of a year where I had to develop, but I wasn't sure. I was maybe hopeful that they could use me. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you even 18 yet? Maybe just turned like, yeah, right. Like camp. turning. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, and some of these girls are 21, 22. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, yeah, yeah it's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. The girl I was playing behind actually, um, Maddie Penner, Australian was like 24. So, right. Yeah. Like, but Kev, they pulled me up in grade eight. I played grade nine. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but just being able to show up, I mean, it's it happens a lot in, in many different sports, but we have this perception of the way things are going to go. And then you you kind of, people separate themselves because some fade away and don't buy in and some continue to work. And you obviously went back to your work ethic to continue and your confidence to just show up every day and compete and do your best as a teammate and and make the other girls on the floor better and knowing that you probably weren't going to play much, but just sort of know that, Hey, five years is a long time and my time will come. Yeah, um, exactly. And also just something that I carried with me uh, throughout this whole thing was, um, do you remember when I was in grade 12 and then like, I didn't make captain or something. So then I went to your office and was like, what is this? And then Mm -hmm. you, you gave me something that was in the unit of your leadership class. That was something about how leadership is not a position. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the way you carry yourself. So that was something that I wanted to take in the first year as well. I was like, how could I lead without, um, while still being in first year? So it was like the work ethic I wanted to continue and just being there for my teammates, um, trying to make practice environment challenging, knowing that there wasn't really much pressure on me to play well um, and that I probably wouldn't get in on the 12 that weekend. So yeah, that was something that I was going through all the first year. And how was that? What was the team like? Were you guys good? Did you have some success? Like, how did it go? What was the adjustment school-wise? The grind of practice, training camp? Like, we think high school basketball is a big deal, and then we get to the post-secondary level, and it's like, damn, this is a whole literally another level, right? I knew it was going to be something different when we got the training camp agenda, and then it was like, uh, <laughs> check in, yo-yo, uh, and then practice for three hours. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then yeah. practice again later that night. And, that, and it was that for the next five days. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. But it was pretty, 
it was pretty interesting because I didn't take a redshirt year because I guess maybe there were still opportunities for me to get in. But each week I was competing to be, I think we had 13 and you could only take 12. Mm -hmm. And they liked that because it was competitive. And each week I did want to want to show out for for that week so that I could play that weekend. And I think that that gives you just like such a different drive. Could you travel 12 on the road or was it 10? It's 12. It's 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when I played, it was only 10 for the road, but that might be a little bit off. Might but be a financial thing too, Brandon. <laughs> Whoa, relax. I'm just kidding. You guys were very good. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Yeah. Nice follow up. Way to go. <laughs> yes, it were. You went to Nashville. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we did. We made the final. Yes, sir. Let's move on. Yes, sir. Overall, right? And then by your fourth year, starting those second and third years, the growth development, how far did you guys make it? Did you get close? Like what were the good memories, the bad memories? Um, playing with someone alongside like Jess, it's kind of fun, right? Like someone that you've known for so long, develop bonds with these girls and women and the university experience. How was it? This is like, this has been probably like the, some of the best years of my life so far. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll say so far. Being a university like student athlete is just kind of unmatched. Like you have, you come into university having all these best friends already, um, and then you have the added kind of factor of competition and playing games together and having like this one goal that you all want to achieve. And I feel like that's just something so different that athletes are so fortunate to like experience, especially in university. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was pretty lucky because I've known Jess since like grade seven. Um, and then she, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So that she was somebody, she was like one of my best friends and then I could play with her for four years. That was a really cool opportunity and then meet other best friends. And then that's one of those things too, where kind of similar to grade 12, um, we got in each season, the way we got put out was like unfortunate, like it could have gone either way. So it was one of those things where not a regret, but you wish that your season would reflect how much your team meant to each other and how well you actually play together. Fair enough. And I think one of the things is you're still kind of in that, right? But mm-hmm. upon reflection, when you become an old fart like me, <laughs> you know, it, it, it won't even be about, you know, you said, oh, well, you guys made nationals and we joked about that. But like, it's more the memories and the fun times and the locker room and the practices and just the road trips, right? Like, that's what you'll be able to reflect on. You're still in it and you're thinking like, ah. Oh, only if we won that game or like we just grabbed that rebound, right? Because you're, yeah, exactly. you're there. But with time, you'll be way better than you were. The stories will be, you know, you'll, you'll be way better than you were. <laughs> and your teams will be better than they were. And uh, But you'll look back and those are like, those are those will be some of your friends for life. And some mm-hmm. of them will, you know, you'll travel with or maybe go to weddings with or whatever. And that's kind of what it's all about. But also being at UBC on one of the most you know, beautiful campuses in the entire world, right? Like, so cool. Super fortunate. Yeah, and good for you. And then you talked about it at the start of the show a little bit, but just kind of COVID hits and Howard did a great piece on you a while back. And just how did you touch back on that leadership? And, you you know, you've talked about it a little bit, but the day in to day out of just being and doing skills, knowing that, okay, I'm maybe just working towards becoming a, a women's league player now or like <laughs> exactly. co-ed league at uh, the community center, whatever, right? But at the same time, it's funny. It's like you're almost right back at OLM shooting hoops. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. an interesting way your journey has come. And we haven't talked to anyone yet who's had this fifth year as a COVID year. Um, and what about the other seniors on your team? You, you know, how have you been able to keep each other going? And I mean, obviously you're still doing school and trying to figure all that out. Right. So there's that driving you. And what did the coaches say? How did they motivate you? Or did they leave you alone because they knew that it was tough every day for you? Yeah, well, the approach that they took was kind of leaving us alone and letting us feel it for ourselves and then wanting us to show up at practice the next day to kind of stay having that that consistency, that routine, and not wanting us to kind of sulk um, in our rooms like by ourselves. Um, so that's the approach they took, So, um, which was great. And that really allowed us, yeah, seniors to kind of lean on each other and try to gra- try to grapple with what we're feeling, which was a lot. We weren't sure. We were like, do we leave? Like, is that <laughs> um, like, what is this all for if we if we don't have a season, if we can't play games? And then just kind of reminding ourselves, like how important fifth years are. Like when I was in first year, how much I looked up to um, the fifth years that we had and just knowing that like we lost a season, but so did everybody else on our team. Um, so kind of just trying to work understanding that we're all kind of going through this same issue and trying to work trying to work that out together and then trying to help the younger girls figure that out as well that's good perspective never thought of it like that right like mm-hmm. i think it's easy to be like well what was me and it's my senior year but well okay well everybody else is kind of dealing with it too so that's good Awesome stuff. And let's just talk about your relationship or just, you know, someone like Deb Huband, who's just been around the game for so long, coached so many women and what that was like playing, you know, for her. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Absolute legend. Canada West's most winningest coach, I think, for females. When I was looking at schools and basketball programs to play for, I saw her bio and just saw like her successes as an individual player and how much she won. Um, when she played and then her successes as a coach and I was like this would be unreal to play for her and I think that's what I thought and then that's exactly what I got as well she's so smart about basketball and like she's taught me she's taught me a lot more than I think I would have learned from going to a different program she's just so smart with it so I feel like this like playing for her was kind of the best for my basketball development and I'm grateful that she wanted me to come to UBC as well as much as I wanted to go there before we go to the lightning round, are you ready for that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. Two questions for you. One, first one is, what advice for a young female hooper out there that's listening to this episode, what advice would you have? Anything off the top of your head. Doesn't have to do, could be with about anything to do with basketball, but what's one thing along your journey that you've learned? I think just continuing to... This will be about basketball, but just continuing to train despite like knowing or despite the inequalities that you that you feel like there is against women's basketball. I feel like just keeping at it and just keeping up your goals because the game will only grow like if we do. You stole my second question, but like, do you at least have some inside of you? Do you at least have and you can say whatever you want here, but do you feel like it's going in the right direction? There's some hope or is it like all smoke and mirrors right now and see what happens because you haven't seen enough yet in terms of moving the women's game forward. No, I mean, it could be all smoke and mirrors right now, but I'm pretty optimistic. Did you guys see that stat about the Baylor and UConn game and how that got like 1.7 million viewers or something? Oh, yeah. People interacted with that. That was on Twitter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty unreal. 
and I think girls are really and programs are only getting better mm-hmm. and I think people are with social media I think that's one of the positives is that um is that we we all have kind of these platforms to continually share and then continually share about women's the women's game and how important it is to grow it so I think I'm pretty optimistic about what it'll look like for um down the road I was listening to, I really like J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three, and I think it was Tobias Harris. But anyways, they were just talking about college hoops or whatever, and they were talking about, you know, the inequalities and things like that. And he said, he's like, in 10 to 15 years, he's like, you're going to see just because of how the training, the diet, the regiments of athletes in general, he's like, you're going to see women like dunking on the regular in 15 years. That's what he said. And he's like, you wouldn't be surprised if even the men's college basketball was obsolete because a lot of these guys are just going to go to Europe and get development there. You know what I mean? And they're tired of kind of just being part of the machine. So it will be interesting, but uh, it is one of the positives of, I think social media, right? Social media can be a a dark place sometimes, but Mm -hmm. the things that I'm seeing and, and the, the tweets and the shares and that stuff, I think is making people go, all right, damn, let me, let me check into this. And you're like, Mm -hmm. wow, these girls can hoop, man. Like they're legit. Right. Mm -hmm. So good. That's good to hear. Ketchup on macaroni. Yes. Yes. Um, in, in the first grade, I don't know why this happened, but our teacher, (laughs) our teacher brought KD for everybody. And she was like, Ooh, hey, you guys got a lot of KD, tr- man. Yeah. <laughs> um, it came in a little styrofoam cup, so not a lot of KD for six-year-olds. But um, was like, hey, if you want to try it with ketchup, you should. Wow. So, and like, then... your teacher brought you KD, and it still wasn't good enough for you. Is that what I'm hearing? Still I'm, not good enough. I'm honestly, like, not even a big KD person. But when I do have okay. it, it has ketchup on it. Corb, should we just end the episode here? Or... <laughs> What is one thing that you've read recently that stuck with you or is there a quote that you kind of hits you or something that leads you or guides you? Yeah. Um, I have a Bible verse. I can't, I could quote it, but I don't know the actual chapter and verse, but, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Um, yeah, that's my quote. Awesome. Yep. Good stuff. Um, that's a proverbs uh three verse uh verse five yeah, six trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall set your path straight yes sir proverbs with some corpse clappers corpse google fingers are fire wow <laughs> love me some proverbs don't even tell me like you knew that yet i knew it was, i knew it was proverbs i can i can pro- okay anyways we'll just move on who's the who's the greatest player you've played against in high school i could say zion but she doesn't play basketball anymore, so I won't give her that credit. Um, but yeah, we won't ta- we won't tag her on the episode either. Forget yeah, it. No, yeah, I'm nice. Just <laughs> um, Aislinn Koenig, unreal. I wasn't. Um, she's like nothing too flashy, but she hits every shot she takes, and she can make any shot for herself. Um, she can create. So I think she was. She won ACC last year with NC State and was MVP of of it or something, something mm-hmm, crazy. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. She's unreal, yeah. Played with her for... Playing overseas. Yep. Played against yeah. her as a kid, and then I think I played her once in grade 12, but yeah. Who's the GOAT 
you and maybe you have a maybe you have a female and a male goat it's your world we're just living in it but i was just gonna say that i couldn't like i would not be able to answer that without um putting diana tarazzi's name in there oh corbs and knew it you knew it oh yeah we do oh we do oh yeah your brother always runs his mouth about how nice she is he always talking about it she is kobe she's kobe in female form um and i think Mm. She's been in the league. I think uh, this would be her like seventeenth season or something. I was say, like, it feels like she's been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. like two thousand four ish. I want to say is, but um, was her draft Good year? Math. But yeah, nice. And then, uh, but she's like leading, like in all time scoring, and she's still in the. She's still in it. So you listened um, to the Kim Smith episode? Yeah, loved it. Yeah, she she shouted out her too. She was just like, yeah, her confidence and just. Yeah, she said she was nuts. Yeah, yeah. Is nuts, her. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, is. Male, uh, I like grew up in an MJ household. And like I say that with, I wasn't fortunate enough to watch him growing up. But so that's what I grew up with. And that's what I believe. And I feel like The Last Dance just reinforced that for me. Mm-hmm. But I hate like people come up to me all the time with this question. And I just hate arguing it because like we'll never come up with yeah. an answer. So totally. But I'll say MJ. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Artist is dead or alive. If you had a chance for, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the best seat in the house, what concert would you go to? You could name more than one, too, but just give okay. us an idea. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'd want to see Aaliyah live. Oh, wow. That's a, great, yeah. that's, a, that's a great answer. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, that's the dream. Yeah, I'll just name one, I guess. Okay, well, what are you spinning on the Spotify or iTunes or... What do you got? Like, what else are you bump? What else are you bumping? I'm a big R and B girl. Hip hop kind of extends to like the extent I listen to hip hop is like uh, layup lines or if it has an R and B chorus. <laughs> so <laughs> that's as far as it goes for me. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, 2000s R and B, 2010s R and B, present R and B. That's that's what I got. We throwing in some Neo there. Of course, Neo Usher. Boys to Men. Oh, yes, sir. Let's sure, get Randy. Sure. Donnell Jones. You listen to Donnell Jones? Yeah, the one song uh, I have on repeat. Oh, my God. No, not the one, but like one song I have on repeat. A <laughs> uh, follow-up to that concert question is uh, who you bring in? Who you bring to Aaliyah with you? Oh, my gosh. Anybody that wants to come. Any Everybody needs to experience Aaliyah live, I think. I don't know that for sure, but I can only assume. <laughs> You and mom hop in the car, drop off me, you know, 75 lumpia and keep me happy. <laughs> on the on the way back, you're like, mom, let's stop at seven. I need to get a bag of chips. What are you grabbing? Um, Miss Vicky's, uh, the blue bag, sour cream oh, sweet, sweet chili. chili. Oh, so good. <sighs> Fire. Yep. Do I have anyone else on that team? Like first pick? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, we're 51 episodes in here. But like yeah, right. some people have given us their top five and i was like well we didn't ask for that but we'll take them let's hear right so <laughs> I'm, they're up there for me Sweet, 100 they're Sweet. definitely up there for me who's been the most important person or people in your life my family like i feel like and i and i could name just my family as a whole or individually each of them have had their own factor that's or just like uh they've had their own area of their of my development kind of um if that makes any sense, like individually mm-hmm. and as a group, they've been so important to who I am right now. Awesome episode. And we appreciate you being with us. If you could do it all again, you would what? 
I probably wouldn't change anything, but I would probably tell myself um, to worry less and to also, uh, I think I had a hard time balancing humility and being grounded while also um, being able to be confident and vouch for myself. So I would change that to balance that better. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Good, good reflection. What's the next step for you? What's, what's the next three to five years looking like for Gabby LaGuardia? The summer I start my CPA. So that designation, get that under the belt, um, start working out an accounting firm. Do you wear a lot of belts? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? <laughs> no, you know me. Yeah, I'm a ch- PE teacher. I wear shorts and a t-shirt every day. Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basketball shorts, chancellor shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Relax. When you were my PE question. teacher, that's what it was. Um, yep, CPA and then accounting firm work 60 hours a week to get in the first tax bracket uh, for a few years. And then, <laughs> and then who knows? Say it so sadly. Say it like you're excited about it. <laughs> I am. It's a stepping stone. <laughs> Fair enough. But it who is. knows what comes after. Um, and hopefully yeah. stay involved in the game. I want to coach STM at some point and just help help the game develop in my community. Well, you know where to find us. Yep. Just down the street. You got it. Any last shout outs or thoughts or uh, anything that you feel like you've left out? Um, nope, nothing. I've My mouth is dry from talking for the last hour. But uh, thank you guys for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. And I love what you guys are doing. I wish I had this even when I was younger. Kind of motivate me and uh, realize where basketball could take me. Yeah, it's cool. I think um, we can learn from each other so much. And until you have the opportunity to hear it, you don't really get to. And mm-hmm. we do appreciate you being with us because we know it's not easy for everyone. I know for me, I was someone who taught you and kind of worked a little bit with you in basketball, but kind of more taught you and saw you grow. So to sit down and like have a podcast, it's like, oh, this is a little bit weird, but uh, <laughs> we're more like family than we are teacher student. You know what I mean? And you you know what I, you know what you mean to me and what your family means to me. And you know what Corbs is like the annoying, well, he's kind of like your little brother, even though he's older <laughs> than you, but what did I do? <laughs> what did Just I do? Drive by. We got to hit you <laughs> with a drive by Corbs. Gabs, with, with all the hard work that you've put into yourself and, and your mind and your body, we know that you're going to be successful in whatever you choose. And we know that, um, You've enjoyed your university experience, and so far it's been the best times of your life, but we know that the, the, the even better times are coming, and we wish you nothing but you know, continued success and working hard, and um, don't worry about that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, just, make sure you're doing, just make sure you're doing something that you love doing every day, and it won't feel like money, right? And uh, all the best. Can't wait to see you lead the, uh, the STM women to a provincial title one time. Yes, sir. Amazing episode. Thank you to our sponsors. Like and subscribe. Check out the pod. Share. Let people know. And we'll see you for episode 52.